Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to Let's Let's Straight Show. I am losing my voice, and it's only Tuesday. Goodness. Welcome, guys. It's August 4th, 2020. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. Joining me in studio and live today is our very fantastic intern, Han. Han, how you doing? Good. How are you? I am doing very well. For some reason, I'm losing my voice on a Tuesday. I've been doing some pre-taped interviews and stuff, and I don't know what it is. My voice is gone. How was your weekend? you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was pretty great. Uh, got a lot of work done for uh, art projects and doing, like, other internship stuff. Nice, nice. You got all those commissions, making that cash. I like it. Terrific. Well, yesterday we had a fantastic Music Monday with our Special correspondent Zach Day calling in from The Voice. He's got a new gig in Nashville. He's got a new apartment, working a partnership with a new company, which is pretty exciting. And uh, he gave us a couple of uh, great artists to follow. And then we had my special guest interview with Josh Orozco, a good friend of the show for the last four years. He has some brand new music we had out. We're supposed to have Tommy Sellers on, but we had to move her to next week. So she'll be on next Monday for sure. And then tonight we have a great show for you. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to have our special correspondent, David Reddish. He is the entertainment editor of Queerty, the great website. And we're going to talk all sorts of entertainment news. And then it's a Broadway theme evening with Stephen and Jared, the co-owners of Showboy Bakery out in Las Vegas, Nevada. And then Patrick Ortiz from the great show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on NBC. And he is a Broadway boy himself. He was in Mamma Mia and West Side Story and many other things. So great show tonight, Han. I'm looking forward to it. What's been going yeah, on with too. you? Anything new and exciting? Uh, not a whole lot has been going on. I've uh, been getting ready to go back to college and everything. Uh, they've been having us check in about the pandemic. People, like, 
who needs to quarantine when they need to come back as there has been a significant number of cases rising in the Western states now. Right, exactly. So they are planning on you going back. You just have to kind of quarantine in place in your dorm or what? How many people live in the dorms there? Well, our dorms are actually spread out across three separate buildings that are through the heart of downtown Chicago uh, because obviously since it's in Chicago, the city itself in the loop, we can't really uh, stay all in one building. But we have, they've kind of spaced it out. So there's only about three people per each dorm room now instead of about four to five. Oh, well, there you go. That's a little better then. Very, very good. Well, Hannah, why don't you go ahead and welcome our first guest. I'm always excited when every other Tuesday comes. He is the entertainment editor from Queerty, the amazing website that gives us all our LGBTQ news and entertainment, politics, a little bit of everything. He's been a great friend of the show, and let's bring him on board and see what's going on. Mr. David Reddish, how the heck are you, my friend? Hey, man. I get by. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's a Tuesday, and uh, everything seems to be okay so far. How's everything in beautiful downtown L.A.? It's blazing hot is what it is. It's been so hot for the past week. Yeah, it's it's a lot to handle some days. I mean, it's not like we can go anywhere right now anyway. But but staying in the house when it's hot is not easy. It's not easy at all. You know, I'm lucky this, I have central this air. This would have been my fourth week in Palm Springs, and I'm really depressed about it. But then I see the 117-degree weather. I'm not quite as depressed as I was a week ago. Let's put it <laughs> that way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> but I'm going to get out there soon. What has been going on in your world, my friend? You guys are tearing up like always. There's like 10 articles a day anymore on Queerty, we you guys see four to six, and you guys are doing like 10 to 12. Entertainment is not stopping for you. No, no. Thankfully, uh, it gives me something to do and a lot to watch uh, here during lockdowns. But um, the, the big thing that, that I had this week, I had a terrific interview with Don Hahn. Now, this is somebody you probably don't recognize his name. I promise you, all of your listeners have seen his movies. He was the producer of Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King and The Hunchback of Notre Dame and Aladdin and all the Disney Renaissance movies. Wow. Uh, back in the late 80s and 90s. He's just directed a, uh, a live-action documentary about Howard Ashman, who was the writer and lyricist of Little Mermaid and Little Shop of Horrors and some of Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. He died of AIDS, unfortunately. In the early 90s, mm. uh, apparently right after the first screening of Beauty and the Beast. So he waited long enough to know that it was going to be a hit. Full, um, beautiful documentary that Don has made. So just being able to chat with him about a, a great queer hero, somebody whose queerness, by the way, really informed what he was doing. Um, I don't think you know he ever consciously was putting queer themes into his work. But if you look at a song like Part of Your World, for example, from The Little Mermaid, it's all about yearning and knowing that inside you're different and wanting to, to go through a change so you can be yourself. Uh, if right. you look at a song like Kill the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, that song is all about homophobia. And in fact, most of the movie, the ideas that people have about the beast is him being this sort of outcast, this frightening, misunderstood figure. Uh, if you look at what was going on with Christian fundamentalists in the 80s and the 90s, if you were, were alive during that period, it's all the same thing. So I think 
you know, I, I don't know that all of us were aware we were growing up, you know, with this queer lens over everything, but uh, <laughs> right. I think that's certainly the truth. And, and the new documentary, which comes out this Friday on Disney Plus, it's called Howard. Uh, the new documentary really drives po- that point home. So, uh, Disney just talking doesn't to own the world anymore, right? Entertainment. Anything that comes out Isn't it scary someday? Or a Disney product of some kind. It is crazy. Isn't it- I was actually working at the studio the day they announced they were buying Lucasfilm. So they bought Star Wars. And I made a right. joke about James Bond, Big Bird, and like Harry Potter have all been moved to safe houses like to keep Disney away from them. <laughs> because there's nothing That's left. Hilarious. Like they're just buying everything. Um, hey, yeah, you, so. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I wanted to do a quick recap before you go on to your next story on Comic Con because you were gearing up last time we talked. For a bunch of your your first panel and for a couple other things, yes. talk about how that went for you. Oh, it was it was terrific. I was with some very talented people uh, for the industry, people who are on the production side, people who are writers, uh, people who are voiceover actors, uh, me who's a journalist, uh, people who are game writers. It, it was a, a fantastic conversation about uh, the diversity in the industry and how having a diverse group of people behind all these behind all these properties, you know, your TV shows and your movies and your games and your books and, and even your, your journalism, if you're me, uh, how, how that, you know, affects the conversation, the public conversation about the state of the world and the state of uh, affairs in the United States. Um, it was really informative. It was great. You know, one of the guys on the, on the panel was Cena Grace. He is a very famous writer of the X-Men comics. He wrote the coming out story for Iceman a few years ago, which was a very groundbreaking, very hyped, you know, high profile story. I so to remember, hear, yeah. hear him talk about, yeah, hear, hearing him talk about, you know, going through the editorial process on that, um, some of the, you know, the blowback that they did get about it, you know, some of the things that happened subsequently that he wasn't necessarily a part of, because that's always a, a danger in comics. They have so many different writers writing everything. You you know one writer might write one thing with a certain end in mind, and someone else might change that later. So uh, listening to him was very interesting. Um, Mike Siriaco, our our moderator, did an excellent job uh, making sure everyone had a chance to talk. Uh, it, it was it was a fantastic experience. Um, now that being said, the numbers I saw for Comic Con as a whole, because all of Comic Con was virtual this year, apparently it was a huge bomb. Unfortunately. Uh, they had something like a 94% decrease in in projected attendance, so only about 6% oh, wow. of people showed up to watch, yeah. Um, and that's sad. That may affect how some people view, for example, you know, the new seasons of Star Trek Discovery or some of the other shows that are and films that are coming down the pipeline. At the same right. time, I think everybody's so – there's such a thirst right now for more content. I don't think they're going to have any trouble, so – We'll see. Well, speaking of new content coming out, I want to talk about one of your headlining stories that you wrote today on Queerity about Ryan Murphy and Sarah Paulson and the hotly oh, yes. anticipated Nurse Ratched. Give us a little inside scoop on that, my friend. Well, I have to be careful about that because I have seen all of Ratched already. Uh, Ryan's people sent it to you. me last month. Uh, well, <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, Ryan's people in Netflix sent it to me uh, last month and I, I thought I would just watch one episode and ended up just binging the whole thing it's, it's riveting television uh, that's the most I can say about it was that I was into it 
Um, and it is, you know, based on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, but it's a, it's a very different version of Nurse Ratched than we've ever seen before. Um, and Sarah Paulson, you know, who better? She's, she's marvelous. Uh, it has an amazing, uh, amazing cast. Finn Whitrock, Sharon Stone, uh, Judy Davis, uh, Sophia Nakondu oh from um, Hotel Rwanda. She's amazing. Um, I, I can't, unfortunately, say too much about the plot, um, other than this is, I think, a return to form for Ryan Murphy and Sarah Paulson uh, as a team. This gets back to some of what they did in the early seasons of American Horror Story. Um, nice. In terms of tone, uh, it's a frightening show. So I, I can say that much. That's all visible in the trailer. So hopefully Netflix won't come to my house and break my legs. Uh, there you go. You well, I am looking forward to it, and I won't even force it out of you, so that's okay. I got to <laughs> talk about my trailer that I saw today, and I don't think we ever talked about it when we did your interview because we're both such comic book uh, nerds and yeah. and lovers that I am a huge fan of the boys. I came to the series late. Um, I didn't yeah. see it until probably five months ago. The new trailer, I mean, I thought season one was dark. Season two looks dark as hell, but, oh, my God, it looks exciting. And I'm all about Stormfront. Yeah. What do you know on this thing? Anything? I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I, You know, I, I actually am a latecomer to the show also. I have so much I have to look at. I never had a chance to watch the first season. Um, however, what I will say is looking at the trailer for the second season, they have my interest peaked. And, um, you know, after Watchmen, HBO's uh, series last year, which was spectacular and is going to win all the Emmys, um, they have some, right. they, they got a tough act to follow, but it looks like they're bringing their A game. It looks like they're bringing in some new characters that are already, you know, developing a following. So, um, I, I, I and they're going to keep going, you know, Watchmen's a one-off. They're not doing any more seasons, so right. I, I I I'll be interested to see to see how it shakes out this season. I think it'll be fun. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, I loved the first season. Like I said, I came very late and saw it maybe four to five months ago because I like I just didn't know about it. It's a superhero genre that's very dark, yes. very kind of um, out there. But Chase Crawford, who I thought. Uh, he plays the Aquaman type character. Total yeah. different look for him. He's looking hot as hell, but totally different look um, altogether. But just everything about it is just so, so different. I was liking every absolute bit of it. So the trailer looks really cool. So if you get any inside okay. scoop, I expect an email immediately. What else is uh, on uh, your hot course. button list? Well, I mean, uh, in terms of our top stories today, uh, another that I wrote, uh, poor Ellen is having a horrible, horrible moment right oh, now. Yeah. Uh, so she may have brought that on herself. Uh, her right. friend Katy Perry, the singer, rushed to defend her on social media uh, early this morning, actually, uh, saying that she can't speak for anyone else, but she's only had positive takeaways from her time with Ellen and appearing on the show and uh, that she's done so much for equality, you know, in terms of keeping up the fight. That last bit is, is indisputable. It's incontrovertible. It's absolutely true. Um, unfortunately, sure. the stories that are coming out about what's the, the, the at work atmosphere around the show are, are pretty blood curdling. Uh, you know, allegations of racism, of sexual harassment, of, 
of, uh, uh, you know, borderline violent kind of aggression, of microaggressions, of, of just tempers flaring, and people generally being, being unpleasant, um, that really does tarnish, I think, her image of the Queen of Nice. Right. Uh, and again, she's not wholly responsible for things that are going on with her staff, but I don't know. It's hard to right. think that she wouldn't have knowledge of what was going on, you know, at least to some degree. So yeah. um, I know there's, there's an investigation. Warners is investigating the show right now. We'll see what comes of that. Um, I know there's been a shakeup in terms of her producers and in terms of her staff. Uh, we'll see see where they go from here um it's 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 really unfortunate you know that regardless of, of where you come out it's like, really unfortunate yeah agree 100 uh, percent. if she did bring it on herself though because there have been horror stories out there i mean i have my brothers one of his very good friends works on the warner brothers lot and he's had a lot of yeah. his own stories and so it's it's not it's not been the best kept secret i guess uh but no. As you say, how much is done from producer level down and how much was she actually privy to? I'm sure she was very hands-on the first five to seven years. But what is she on, season 13, 18 now or I think something? it is 13, so, something like that. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I, is it possible she's going in for like an hour before the show starts and leaving an hour after it ends? That's possible, too, now, right? Who knows after uh, sure. a, a kind of going on and she doesn't know. So we'll see what happens, but... Well, David yeah, Reddish, uh, as always, you have amazing stories, but we have to get jumping off here. Is there any last things you have to go before we send you on your little way here? I don't think so. Everybody just stay safe. Check out Howard on Disney Plus this Friday and uh, The Boys when it arrives on Amazon. And check out Queerty.com, where David Reddish is the entertainment editor, has some amazing stories himself, and then just takes care of everything else that you see on there. David, stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to play out a little bit of music here from our buddy Z Machine. And when we come back, we're going to have the guys responsible for Showboys Bakeries. They're the owners out in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a Broadway kind of night here on the Left of Straight show. We'll be back in just a couple seconds. You're listening to Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. Just leave your conscience here at the door We'll be giving you your number Won't ask for your name Cause you won't need one around here anymore Everybody's looking happy Everybody wants a place When we get lonely We can drink it away Forget we're growing older Nothing's gone the way that you planned but I learned to get by, so I don't need your help. I got everything I'm needing all by myself. Feeling better than anything that I've ever felt. Playing with the boys in the band. Boys in the band.
Now baby he's over and he's adored Giving you life and death and everything more But when you get your peace and quiet No love and no fame It's when you start feeling so insecure Now everybody wants to know you When you're always giving faith Who could deny you when you're leather and lace Doing what your daddy told you Laying in the palm of his hand Well I don't mean to be rude But I don't need your help I got everything I'm needing all by myself Feeling better than anything that I've ever felt Playing with the boys in the band Boys in the band Yeah, it is very brutal. And then 
in the kitchen with the ovens on, it gets even worse, of course. And, you know, I fully blame oh. the fact that, you know, at least, like, in a normal situation, we have the spring where we, like, lead up to the summer. But this year, we were just, like, quarantined at home, and then we were released from home, and it was the summer. So we just did not get any build-up to that. Good point. Exactly. Well, I was actually supposed to be in Palm Springs the last four weeks. I take my show for four weeks of live shows from a Palm Spring gay resort down there every year. And we had to cancel because of COVID being so bad in Southern Cal and Riverside County. But I'm kind of not missing the heat. They've been averaging about 108, 110, and I tend to melt after about 105. So kind of crazy stuff. And it's just just dry, non-moving heat. (laughs) Right. Right, right. Well, guys, I'm excited to have you on and talk about all this amazing business of you guys. Talk about how you guys have been doing these first four weeks. I mean, you guys even, Las Vegas closed down. You guys had to close your business, but it looks like you were able to do at least some curbside takeout. How has this affected everything uh, in your business? Are you still busy as ever, or how have you guys been surviving? You know, we are still pretty busy. It's just uh, a lot of our orders have turned into smaller orders. You know, we kind of feel right now we haven't seen a wedding cake in in quite a while, which is understandable. But we missed graduation cake. Right. Yeah, there's been no graduation. but So everything's still busy. It's just on, like, a much smaller scale, which is fine. You know, we, we will take whatever we can get. We're happy with it. Um but, yeah, I mean, we're we're still seeing people come in the door. People still want to come by and chat with us about Broadway and eat cupcakes and stuff. So we're okay. There you go. And, Stephen, you guys and your family's been feeling good and keeping healthy and everything? Oh, yeah, everybody's doing great. Um, my family's actually all in England right now, so they're all kind of, you know, navigating their way through that, um, you know, version mm. of COVID. But. Um, but our family here in Vegas, everyone's doing great, and we've been following the rules, the guidelines. We've got some fabulous sparkly masks and, you know, just getting on with things. Yeah, whatever the government makes us do, we just do with sparkles. I like it. I like it. Nothing nothing <laughs> a little bedazzling can't solve. I like that exactly. a lot. Very, very cool. <laughs> well, let's start, since it's your first time on the show, let's begin with a little bit of background Jared, talk to me about where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you? Well, I actually grew up here in Las Vegas. I'm one of the rare natives. We call that a unicorn here. (laughs) Right. I'm a (laughs) Vegas unicorn. So um, growing up, I was always really into the performing arts. Um, I was in like orchestra and junior high and high school and drama and all that good stuff. Um, So I I always was really into uh, performing and theater and then I went to uh, UNLV here for hotel entertainment was my specialty. Right. And so then I just kind of like took the, I mean, the hotel industry here is crazy is, and as the entertainment industry is. So not anymore. Uh, right. <laughs> not right now, not currently, but you know, I just kind of <laughs> worked my way up through, through the like, front desk of the hotel and into the showrooms and um, in the entertainment management, which is where I ended up meeting Steven. Nice. And Stephen, talk about your journey. Where did you grow up and what kind of a kid were you? I was the annoying kid that always had something funny to say about whatever you're talking about, which looking back now is probably (laughs) just some like deflection mechanism. But um, 
Yeah, I grew up in um, just outside of London in England, and I grew like growing up. I didn't really have anything that I particularly liked. It wasn't until like you know like early teenage time that I decided that musical theater was what I liked, and I used to drag my poor mother every Saturday to the the Starlight Express matinees where you could pay five pounds and stand at the back, like literally every Saturday. Poor woman. Um, oh my goodness. And <laughs> it really just grew from there. I, I, you know, I started going to like singing classes and dance classes at the weekend, um, and then eventually moved on to. Uh, I went to a school in London that was like specifically um, like a college for musical theater, um, which kind of just led me to where I am now, I guess. Randomly. That <laughs> is awesome. And I know you guys met when you moved to Vegas. How did you guys meet? Well, I was um, an entertainment manager at the Rio in charge of a program that was singing and dancing cocktail servers, strangely enough. Um, <laughs> and Stephen, Stephen was one of the uh, dancing cocktail servers. So I was technically his boss. And we had a very scandalous affair. And things just kept I love it. pursuing between the two of us and moved in together. And we got an opportunity to uh, start this bakery together. So <laughs> here we are. That's amazing. That like and how did you, Stephen, how did you guys come to find this love of food or baking that you guys both have? Well, you know, it's funny. Like, one of the things about being a performer in Vegas is that there's so many performers in Vegas, and everyone's from everywhere. Um, no one, typically, nobody has family here. So, you know, when it comes to that your company is in shows, around the holiday times, it's, you know, potlucks and, and get-togethers, and, and you become like your own little family within your cast, and you, we would always bring food and drink and dessert, and I was the person that would always bring dessert, and I would always try and up myself, you know, from, I mean, cupcakes the first time, and next time it had to be a cake, and then it was a two-tier cake, and, you know, just kind of deciding that I liked making the dessert portion of these potlucks and it really just grew from there everyone started calling me showboy cakes and um <laughs> once we decided to do the the bakery we were like let's just stick with it like people already kind of know it and we have a bit of a following so you know rather than being like your typical pink and teal bakery let's be dramatic and black and red and just go for it i love that and were you kind of the business side of it then jared and then fell into the baking as well or how did that come about for you Exactly. Stephen um, conned me into helping him with the baking part. I still, I don't enjoy the baking part. Um, <laughs> well, we're very, I think we're like a good team because whereas I enjoy doing like the baking and the flavor profiling and is that, that sounded weird, the, pre, the flavor <laughs> profiles. Um, and I like to do, you know, your traditional buttercream stuff. Jared turns around and can do these like insane artistic character versions of you know, like fun characters and just, I think it's a good team, a good match. Yeah. What, what I don't like to do, Stephen likes and what I like to do, he doesn't like. So <laughs> it works out pretty well. I love that. That's so awesome. And talk about, I mean, Vegas is a very cool LGBTQ city. Talk about when though was your coming out experiences to yourself and when did you kind of first find your LGBTQ tribe, Jared? Um, I'd probably say like my senior year of high school here, there used to be a uh, small little cafe called the Mariposa Cafe that was 
kind of like, uh, what do they call it here? They call it the Fruit Loop. It's like this little triangle of like the gay nightclub area here. And there oh, was right, a right. coffee uh-huh. shop there. Yeah, and so it was an all-ages coffee shop that I used to hang out with when I was like 17, 18 years old. And that was kind of my first experience like around gay people and really, you know, accepting who I was and, you know, getting my first boyfriend and stuff like that. And so that's basically where I met my tribe of people. And some of them I'm still in contact with. Vegas is very um, transient. So you meet somebody sure. here today, they might be gone tomorrow. Um, right. but, but that's kind of where it all started for me with that, that little coffee shop. Nice. And Steven, what about you? Well, I think like everybody of our age, like if you were really watching Home Improvement for the show and not JTT, then you weren't gay probably. <laughs> but um, but I, for me, it was, you know, coming from England, I, I mean, I went to an all boys school. It was just absolute horror. Um, I would leave class at every opportunity to take a singing class or a dance class or anything I could do to get out of you know, being around all these kids, and um, I, I don't think it ever really, like, or I never really admitted to myself that it was probably because I was gay and didn't just want to be around these people that like football and stuff like that, so it really wasn't until I got a place at my dance school in London when I really kind of just was around other people that were just like me, and then it was so much more comfortable to talk about things and, and explore things right. and just, you know, just be myself and not have to worry about, you know, what what I'm going to say or what I'm going to do without meaning to, you know, be weird. No, that's awesome. I love that. Well, let's talk about the springboard of a business. I mean, Jared, if I were you, I'd be scared to death. You're opening a company a couple weeks in, and you're kind of, as I said, the business side, not knowing the decorating part, and you're going to be on Cupcake Wars. How did that happen? And uh, talk about that uh, first experience. That would be a little scary. Oh, my gosh. It was so frightening. One of our um, customers nominated us, um, but we were completely unaware that he nominated us. And we literally had been open for maybe like four or five weeks. And um, somebody from the production company that films Cupcake Wars contacted us and let us know about the nomination and asked if we'd be interested to do it. And, I mean, coming from the entertainment world, we were just always – kind of taught to say yes to everything and if you don't know how to do it you just figure it out so that's exactly what we did we were completely unprepared to go on the show um it it was a whirlwind of just emotions and stress and not being prepared but we we ended up doing pretty good we got second place on our episode and we had a really good time and we met a lot of really cool people and um I think us being on there kind of made a really good impression with the Food Network since most of the bakers that they had been having on there were either two girls or, like, a girl and her husband or, like, a girl and straight boys. I think we were one of, like, the first gay couples that had competed on oh, the nice. war. Yeah, so after after doing that, we kind of got, a, like, a little following from it, which was amazing. That's very cool. Well, Stephen, talk to me. I'm sure being a performer and doing these, that you're probably a perfectionist at heart. So you get into the cupcake studio, and all of a sudden you see a timer start counting down. What happens in your head? 
Um, you first of all realize that the show is very real. Um, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I watched, I think there was, we were on the last season of the show, which was season nine, and I had watched that show religiously since season one. I thought it was awesome. I'd rush home from work every day to make sure I could catch it. And I never thought about the logistics of the show. It just seemed very simple. You go on, you bake your cupcakes, they love you, you go home. I hadn't really thought about you've got to make this many cupcakes and a brand new flavor and a weird set of flavors. And, you know, I just hadn't planned that in my mind as well as I had thought. So once that timer started, it was just very much like, this is it. Like, we got no choice. we got to make this work. Like, sink or swim. Oh, I love that. Now tell me, how do you guys, I mean, how do you guys stay so freaking slim? I'm a chubby guy. Is it, I mean, I, I owned a pizza shop for two years and I hate pizza now. Is it after owning a bake shop for five years, you don't eat your own products or how do you guys manage being around this stuff all day? Well, we just use exclusively old pictures of ourselves. So nobody knows how, <laughs> how much I balloon. Um, and Liar. always wear black and sparkles. They deflect <laughs> the light. Liar. I don't believe you at all. That's funny. Oh, I'm, I'm well, definitely the eater of the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to partaking when I get out there very soon. Let's talk about some of the amazing things um, you're doing post-COVID here with the, these Broadway things. When did you kind of really start taking the shine to Broadway? Is when you first did Chris's and uh, Clay's Cake, or when did you kind of get this strong Broadway connection? You know, that's, that's funny, actually, because we, we never really intended to, like, insert ourselves into the Broadway community, which is what kind of happened. And it was really just, it came from a place of being just, like, super fangirls of Broadway. And you know, we we will we know we're going to see a certain show, so we would take certain treats and we'd drop them at the stage door. And and I will say, you know, uh, once you bring treats, people trust you. They they know you're legit. I think <laughs> because because um, so many of of the Broadway uh, people that we were huge fans of, like we're now friends with, because they know that we brought them cookies and treats, and that we you know we weren't creepers or anything like that. We just literally were showing our appreciation and. I think it dates back to just from when we when we opened the store and I started reaching out to people that I was fans of and I was like, I want to name a cupcake after you. How do you feel about that? I'll send you a sample. If you like it, let us know. And, and it kind of just snowballed from there to where they would post it, tweet it, retweet it. And we just kind of got known for being the guys that were happy to bring you some Broadway treats. I love that. And Broadway is so good about that. I mean, that's how I found out about Schmackeries and Magnolia cupcakes and everything. I mean, they really oh, do yeah. shout out their foodie people. Um, definitely. Oh, sure. So that's awesome. I love that part. And talk about this Broadway series you guys have put together now, Baking with Broadway. You're doing live Instagram feeds. I love it. I saw the first one with Chris and them doing your Hamilton cakes when Hamilton premiered on Disney plus um, was that kind of the emphasis of that idea? And how has that been? That's gotta be fun as hell. Well, the show actually, we have, we've been talking about doing this forever and we never really had time to do it because the stores were so busy and with COVID-19 like really hitting everybody so hard, we just finally had time um, to, to really pursue this. And I think it's one of those 
you know, it was a not a happy accident, but uh, you know, something good came out of a bad situation. And and Clay and Chris, bless their hearts, they were so game. Um, we did a segment on GMA, and they messaged us right after, and were like, I want to, we want to bake with you. And and if they are listening, we owe them so much because them doing that first episode with us to just see if it would even work. It literally just turned into we booked another guest and another guest, and now we've got like five or six weeks booked in advance of people that are just so thrilled to bake and do something live on Instagram. So it really just came out of um, finally having time for a passion project and not just work. That's fantastic. You guys have had some great guests. I mean, Nina West is from Columbus, Ohio here, so I'm very familiar with Nina. I mean, Carly Hughes, we got John O'Roberts, Annalie Ashford recently. Um, how do you guys Annalise keep Mark. from fangirling out just when you're talking to these guys on Instagram, Jared? Yeah, I think – oh, sorry, Jared. Oh, you know what? It, it's weird because we have – the people that we've had on the show, now we at least have, like, a relationship with, so we're comfortable okay. with them. Um, I think it's the work, though, that keeps you busy. Yeah, I guess our our mind is, like, so – busy doing the show on like making sure that they're looking good while they're making the treats but we're like explaining to them how to make and everything and we want them to be successful at making the treats so I, I guess I don't really think about it. I think though with um what what I think the show is for us is that you know these the guys that are doing the show, Clay and Chris Annalie Ashford, Carly Hughes they're so incredibly talented that when we make a treat with them, we want them to walk away and feel like, yeah, man, I did that. Like, they helped me make something extraordinary that's out of their wheelhouse. I don't ever want them to walk away and think, like, well, that was really embarrassing. Like, I could have done better. And I think that that's one of the things that keeps us so focused with not fangirling over them is that we just want to make them look mm. so good, even though they already are amazing. Yeah, and performers generally have, like, just such a unique ability to to make everybody feel comfortable. And, you know, they, they right. want you to be included in their world and, you know, to have you have a good time with them. So they definitely play a part in that. No, that definitely makes sense. And now when it comes to the recipes, are you guys picking something that – should be easier for them to do? Are you letting them choose one of their favorite recipes that they'd like you to help them create? Or how do you guys choose what you're doing with each of your guests? Yeah, we give them no choices. (laughs) No, that's not true. (laughs) Steven's very bossy. I always, um, when I approach them to do the show, I ask them if they have anything they would like to do. And if they don't have an idea, I'll give them a, a few examples. And I'll tell you now, I'm super excited about the episode tomorrow with Annalie Ashford because she is, she's so wonderful to begin with, but she's so fearless. I sent her a list of things that I think were pretty complicated. And she was like, I'll do any of them. You pick. So tomorrow we're actually going to be making like a five-layer cake. Oh, my gosh. That's a vicious I like that. Yeah. So, well, we figured if if she won a Tony, she can handle a cake. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> exactly. That's that's, wonderful, that's a good wonderful. golden rule to live by. I like that. <laughs> Very cool. And just is there anybody that you do fangirl? I mean, you had Megan Hilty on, who I love. Marsha, 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 Marie McCormick. Anybody that you guys have just totally fangirled over yourselves that have come in or just wanted yeah. you to do something? 
you know, there are definitely like um, Broadway people that we both would be nervous meeting because they're so iconic to us. Like for me, it's Linda Edders. Like, I don't think I'd be able to do a baking with Broadway uh, with Linda Edder because I'd just be too nervous the whole time. And I I think for Steven, right. it would probably be Ruth Mitchell, who I didn't tell you. I'm announcing today. I, I asked him to be on the show. Oh. I haven't heard back yet. This is Lucy, if you're listening. Right. You need to come on the show. Um, <laughs> but you know what's funny? For me, um, and Jared can attest, like, we've, we've worked with a lot of people, and they've all been so kind to us. And then it was the one person that I couldn't get any words out when we finally got to her with her cupcakes. And it was Amy Jo Johnson, who was the pink power ranger. <laughs> right. That's She's actually very fun. She's very <laughs> cool. Yeah, nice. yeah. Stephen was very starstruck by her. Jared was like, I've never seen you so silent. And I was like, that's the pink power ranger. Like, I don't even know how to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. Well, and I think one of the things that this is doing now, and I've talked about it over the last five or six weeks, the thing that this Corona quarantine has done with all these streaming and Instagram shows, it brings such authenticity to the people, right? Because you have this kind of allure of the star everything behind it, but you see Patty Lapone's pinball machine in her basement, or you see oh, someone's sure. kitchen, and you kind of get very realistic all of a sudden you have this authenticity like hey they're kind of just like me they just know how to sing their face off right <laughs> exactly and you know it's funny because you think you think back to when you're a kid and you've got like a, a, a character on tv or you know a person that you admire so much so you write them letters and you get fan mail back from them um in the form of like a, an autographed picture never did you think when you were that age that eventually you would literally have something in your hand that will show you their life inside their house, what they're doing, what they're wearing. Like, you know, it's, it's come so far to where you know everything about everyone nowadays. That is very true. I agree a hundred percent. Let's talk about some of these wonderful concoctions that you put together. I mean, you have 22 cake flavors, 16 buttercream flavors, four cream cheese frostings, four fillings, I'm a weird food guy. I'm a chubby guy, but I'm very picky. Has there been any combination that someone picked out that you guys just went, oh, my God, I don't know if I want to do that for you? Anything been really weird? Um, yes. So th- what makes me laugh always is when we do wedding tastings, and people see the menu, and they just get so excited. So we're like, what flavor would you like to taste, you know, to do your wedding console? And they always want the root beer cake. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say no to that. You're welcome to taste it, but you cannot order a root beer cake for your wedding cake. Like, I just refuse (laughs) to let you do that. (laughs) I like it. I like it. And what's your favorite flavor, Jared? What are your, if you could make your own cake of your flavors, what would be your dream cake? Oh, my, my favorite is anything fruity. So I love our, um, like our apple pie cupcake is amazing. And then our uh, lemon filled cake, which we call the lemon Minnelli, um, which I love that name. Those are my two favorites. Nice. Stephen, what about you? What's your flavor profile? My favorite, my favorite flavor profile from our menu is the West End, not just because it's named after the West End, but it's also um, an Earl Grey tea cupcake with a blueberry buttercream. And I think it's just my most proud um, recipe and creation. 
But I will be honest, I'm one of the people that's like, I rarely eat a cupcake as much as I know they're fantastic and I love them. I'm that person that would save, you know, a cupcake for two glasses of wine later instead. <laughs> I like that. That's a good trade off there. Well, I'm going to tell you, when I come down, my very first thing is going to be a banana bell Bundy because I am a banana <laughs> fiend. So that's that like my so number good. one I'm going to look for. And then I have my 81-year-old mother. I was showing her the recipes, and she wants a bluebell. So i got to bring her back, ship it all the way to frickin' Ohio, I guess, or something. But uh, oh, yeah. those are, you the got some amazing. Really uh, is it really? She loves that. Yeah. Those are her favorite flavors. She loves lemon. Was the was the Banana Bell Bundy one of our – I think the Banana Bell Bundy was the second cupcake we named after somebody. Was it not? Probably. Sounds about right. Yeah. Just sounds amazing. Banana cake, Bavarian cream, and cinnamon roll buttercream. Thank you. That's what I'm screaming right there. No, we, we, we made it easy for you to have cupcakes for breakfast that way. I like it. I like it a lot. Very cool. And get your fruit um, All right. <laughs> There you go. Well, let's let's uh, help my listeners out a little bit. What are your top five ingredients that every baker should never be without in their kitchen, Stephen? I always say, like, as few ingredients as possible that you can use and make them good ingredients. So um, a really good example is I always make sure for my chocolate cakes, I'm going for, like, top-of-the-line cocoa powder. You want to have, like, a good fat content and a good color to it. Um, a good vanilla always, like, you know, imitation's fine, but if you can get the real stuff, it always tastes better. And then, of course, just your simple stuff, your sugar, flour, butter. It's, you know, it's really about using as little as you can. Um, that way it makes it a little less processed and a little less um, fake, I guess. I like that. And, Jared, what uh, what type, top five decorating tools do you guys find yourself going to the most that people should have in their kitchen maybe well definitely i am like in the fondant world so my number one thing always is i have tons of fondant around me at all times and i have a million uh different paint brushes and little fondant tools um and probably our the number one thing we use in the bakery decoration wise would be a product called bakery bling which is basically just like uh, edible glitter and edible sparkle that we're obsessed with. Nice. I bet. That would be amazing. What yeah. has been your most challenging cake you've made to date? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I would say I think about things like we did a, a, a huge like 3D tiger, and that just took – so many days worth of prep work and then it was like so quick to actually put it together that was pretty challenging yeah the most the most challenging things about like cake to me is like the structure of them just to make sure that they like won't collapse under their own weight or when they're being transported they won't fall over so to me anything that's like tall and skinny is always kind of scary thank right. you I'm not tall. Okay. <laughs> and what has been your your proudest achievement to date so far? What are you What are you kind of most proud of? 
for me right now, I think the most proud thing for us is that we really came through this, um, you know, 45, 60 day shutdown um, and didn't go under. I know that sounds probably quite strange, but we, uh, you know, we were here every single day. We didn't take a day off. We didn't have orders some days, but we made sure that we were here if anybody needed something. And luckily with the help of our landlords and, and the community itself, like we managed to get the bills paid and, and we're back up and running. And, and really, after, after seven years of having a shop, I finally realized that it just doesn't matter what happens because if you can be closed down during a pandemic like this and still open on the other end, you're really, you're really working hard. Well said and, and well-deserved too, because yeah, it's, it's not easy. Everybody is just, uh, just one or two circumstances away from it. And so just that you had that kind of a base that you were able to kind of look at it from a business perspective, look at it from uh, what you need to do with your customers and find different ways to innovate to shows how committed you are and how smart your business plan is. So Jared, that's a lot on you as well. Oh, well, thank you. I will take that credit. <laughs> you sure will. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about these competitions. You won Cake Wars. Amazing. Talk about um, the draw. Is Once you win, is there an alert to do it anymore? Is it just hard work? Is it become more promotional thing now? Talk about going on future shows. Do you have a, a want to or how does that, what's your feelings on these now? I think that we, I mean, we are those people that will say yes to anything. And I say that, but we don't say yes to anything. Um, we kind of like pick and choose the ones that we get called for. And I think the ones we've chosen have been like so good so far. And it's funny because, you know, we've won Cake Wars and we did a four week stint on Wedding Cake Championship. And it's still Cupcake Wars from the very first go around that we get the most attention from um i think that show itself was just so popular in its time but um yeah i I think in the future you'll see us on other shows and and other things and um you know as long as we are able to travel and we have the time to do it we always will i love that now talk about what else have you learned during this downtime as far as ancillary things i mean you've become so popular in a lot of things have you ever thought your Instagram's absolutely gorgeous from your things. Have you ever thought of putting a picture book together or a cookbook together or start doing ancillary kind of uh, marketing things? What's your kind of goals oh for the shop in the future? So Steven would absolutely love to do a cookbook. That is definitely one of his dreams. He talks about it all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about that. We think about stuff like that. Um, we We definitely – are very aware of our branding and what we can do with our showboy brand and where we could branch out and different like TV things or apparel or, you know, Instagram, all that right. type of stuff. So, I mean, you kind of always got to have that little side hustle going on just in case something big does happen to where you, we don't have the bakery or something, but I mean, we always have ideas going for sure. Right. And you, you're able to partner with Vegas a lot. I mean, I remember seeing all these shows do different things like that. Talk about any partnerships you have in Vegas that have been a lot of fun. There's so many shows there anymore. Who, who have you guys worked with there that's been a real treat for you? 
I think like our biggest treat was getting to work with um, J Lo. She was so wonderful and her team was so nice. And they got a lot of, um, you know, every birthday cake and celebration during her residency here, they ordered a cake or treats from us. And that was really nice. But the show folks in general in Vegas are just so wonderful and um, kind. And we get to do a lot of the opening nights or cast changes. Um, a lot of a lot of it. And, and what's fun is that in turn, they've become our customers. So they come in, you know, every few days we'll see somebody from a show that comes in to get cupcakes or they've ordered a cake or it's just, you know, it's a really nice little blend of the entertainment world and the cake world coming together in one little shop. Right. That's amazing. And yeah, Jared, we have a really uh, oops, sorry. No, go ahead, Jared. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say we, we have a really good relationship with our performing arts center here too, which is called the Smith Center. Um so they're like they're our, our theater where like whenever the touring shows come in they'll perform there and they'll have us come in for all the different shows and we'll we'll like meet in their green room with the cast of the show and do like a fun little cupcake wars cast edition with them and you know fun little things like that with them so we are really really happy with that relationship that's amazing now after cooking all day long in the bakery who cooks when you go home are you postmates boys um uh, you know i i like i said i i don't like being in the kitchen so steven does uh cook dinner when we cook at home which he probably does like maybe three, four times a week. And, but we, we do love our Postmates. <laughs> <laughs> and since you're the hometown boy there, Jared, talk about what is it, if you guys have a rare day or weekend off, what do you guys like to do to unwind? Oh, my gosh. It, literally, it, it's so rare. If we, if we have a day off or we get an afternoon off, You'll most likely find us, and it's going to be embarrassing to say, but like at Home Goods, <laughs> shopping for little sparkly, sparkly knickknacks or something. <laughs> I like it. We all have to have a hobby. Yeah, and Home Goods Stephen, is our target. Me, there you go. Stephen, talk to me about performing. Do you ever get the bug after seeing all these people and talking to these people on Instagram to get back on there and do a show again? You know, it's funny, I I always think that, and certain shows will come along where I'm like, I could do that role, I could do that role. Um, and, it, you know, it's always, for me, it's always like King George and Hamilton or Ogie in, in Waitress, and it's like literally like the people that are in the show the least. I'm like, that's what I should be doing. Um, but um, but it's funny, I like, to just, I like to just watch it now. I like not having the pressure of being in the show, and I like, um, I just enjoy the theater experience so much now that I, I think uh, being on the audience side or wheeling on, wheeling on the cake at the end of the show is for me. I like it. Unless they need right, well, to not do that. There you go. I like it. All right. Well, guys, this has been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait for my next trip to Vegas for us to hang out and uh, put me to work. I, I'm I'm pretty good baker. I have my own chef hat, so we're good to go. Oh, we will uh, love, love for you to come by. I would love that. Tell everyone where they can find your website, where they can follow you on social media. All right. Our website is showboybakeshop.com. Very easy. Um, and then we are at Showboy Bake Shop on all of our social media pretty much. 
And then you can watch us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on IGTV Live. Specific. <laughs> I love it. We're going to have to do a left of straight cooking sometime. I would love to cook with you guys sometime. That'd be amazing. Oh, we'll yeah, do a very we'll do special episode of Baking with Broadway with you. There you go. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I said, I, my two favorite things, baking and Broadway, and you guys are just a delight to chat with. You have to come back anytime you want to have any uh, fun things going on, and especially when that book gets published, Stephen. We're going to have to have you back on the show anytime soon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's been so much fun talking to you. Problem. Well, stay on the line for me, guys. We'll chat off air here in a second. We're going to go ahead Thank you, Scott. and play out in just a second here to a guy. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, but stay on the line for me. We're going to play out for a song here, and then when we come back, we're going to keep the Broadway theme going and have Patrick Ortiz on. Patrick was uh, most recently on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on NBC, playing Alex Newell's boyfriend, of course, from Once on an Island. And he is a Broadway boy himself, being in Vegas in Baz, the musical, being in West Side Story, and being in Mamma Mia. So we'll have all that on the other side. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Love Talk Radio. Broadway and tore it up regionally with For the Record and more. 
I rectified my ignorance, and now I'm a true believer and fan, excited to share him with all of you. So please welcome, for the very first time, Mr. Patrick Ortiz. Patrick, how the heck are you, guy? I'm doing great. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Happy to be here. <laughs> I am happy to have you, my friend. As I said, I've become a huge fan. I, I love Zoe, probably one of my favorite new shows because I am a music theater nerd. And, uh, I mean, you have a stellar cast around you. We'll talk about that in a bit. But, wow, good show, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great show. It's great that, you know, musicals are coming back to TV and hopefully – It'll stick around. <laughs> there you go. Knock wood, dude. All right. Well, let's yeah. start with a little background from my listeners, Patrick. Tell them a little about where did you grow up and what kind of a kid were you? So I grew up in a little town called Santee, California. It's East County, San Diego. And I started playing piano the age of three by ear. I wow. was obsessed with my older sister, Felicia. Yeah. And I was her little doppelganger. I followed her around everywhere I went. She's six years older than me. And I would listen to her play piano and match the pitch in my head and replicate the songs from ear. So that's how I started my music background. But other than that, my childhood was focused more around sports and academics. I did mm. uh, played soccer for around 15 years competitively and traveling. And I did track and field. I did competitive tennis, and a lot of science and academic competitions. I was uh, straight up Lindsay Lohan. and <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in mathletes, competing in uh, math and science field day competitions. So that was my life pretty much growing up, and I didn't start theater until high school. I was around 16 years old, and I started this after-school youth program, and I was like, I kind of like this. This is cool. Like, this is fulfilling me in a way I have not been fulfilled before. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'm going to stick to this. So, um, yeah, so I started um, theater, and after I graduated high school, I was still uncertain if I wanted to make a career out of theater or science was my other option. And I took a semester at community college because I was still uncertain, and one of my really close friends, she kind of was blunt with me and was like, <laughs> you need to go to school for theater. <laughs> so, nice. so I um, took her request and I went to Cal State Fullerton the second semester of my freshman year. And I started their BFA musical theater program, which is a cut program. So it starts at around 130 people. And then at the end of your sophomore year, they make a final cut down to 11. And that 11 wow. then gets put into the BFA program for two years. So so then after that, I made the program my junior year and did one year of that. And at the end of my junior year, I auditioned and was offered a role in the Broadway company of West Side Story and moved to New York at 21 to join the company and been going ever since. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that story. Very cool. And talk about your musicality. I mean, obviously you picked up piano by ear, as you said. Were you always singing about that? I'm sure your house was filled with music. Talk about where the love of singing came in. Yeah, well, um, my love of singing, uh, so I'm I, I'm Mexican-Puerto Rican, and um, it's, it's very <laughs> singing and mariachis is, was a huge part of my life growing up. 
with my mom and my grandma. So that was a major influence. But I, I kind of like paved the way in my family for the arts. No one really chose a profession in any kind of artistic field, but they always had a huge appreciation for the arts, which, you know, inspired me through a career in it. I mean, I even remember when I was like seven or eight and we would pull the coffee table out from the living room and me and my brother, my sister, and my mom would dance to America, you know, and just over and nice. over. So, yeah, so I, I've always had, um, but didn't take it seriously till later. So it's, it's never too late to start. Exactly. And it's very cool. I mean, as you know, I'm a stalker on Instagram because I love all your pictures and everything that you post on there. And it shows you're very close <laughs> with your family. They had to be very supportive because you have a very tight-knit family. I love seeing you around your little nephews and with your mom. That's got to be great to have that support <laughs> system to back up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just everything you could dream for is, you know, to have their support and love. On my Broadway debut in New York, I had 20, 22 family members fly out from all over the country. Just a oh huge Puerto Rican Mexican family and just having all of them by, at the stage door. Uh, it's, there's nothing like the support and love from people who you love. I bet. Sure, exactly. And talk about yeah. that first time going to New York. I mean, it's L.A. New York is such a different animal for each other. Did you kind of get comfortable right away or did it take a little while to adapt to New York? Talk about when you first got there. Oh, yeah. Well, it was um, it was an adjustment for me, considering I grew up in Southern California and then how to deal with snow all of a sudden <laughs> which was a, right? was a real rude awakening. I, I did not like it. I had this theory that somehow they just picked it all up and dropped it in the river, but, but it, it was, it was fun. It was a fun, exciting experience. It was a change of pace, just living in the city and then also being immersed and surrounded by so many like driven and passionate artists around me that, you know, that was my first equity gig. And, to be thrown into this group of talent of so many inspiring people, you know, I mean, in that West Side Story cast, it was stacked full of amazing talent with Karen Olivo and Jeremy Jordan and Josefina Scaglioni. It was just, I'm grateful that I was given an opportunity to kind of start my career looking up to those people immediately within my circle. Right, exactly. And talk about... Yeah. That's kind of a trial by fire going get your first gig when you're on Broadway doing eight shows a week. How was that as far <laughs> yeah. as uh, just immersing yourself in theater like that? That had to be wild. Yeah, it was wild. It was terrifying, <laughs> um, <laughs> but exciting. I, I'm one of those people who loves a challenge. And I, I remember saying, someone asked me backstage, she was like, is this your first Broadway show? I was like, yeah, but I'm even more excited to be equity <laughs> just to give you an idea how green <laughs> I was but yeah it and you you pick up and as long as you ask questions and everything you know people are welcoming and supportive but it was a little bit like what am I doing here how did I get here <laughs> right I bet and yeah. talk about the chance to play all those roles especially on tour and everything I mean it's got to be fun to have that diversity of characters did you did you gravitate towards any role more or find yourself connected to anyone more than the other because you play a little bit of everybody on that yeah yeah so I kind of found my niche in performing when I started off as being a swing and a cover which gives me the opportunity to play a wide array of characters every show right um yeah but I I truly loved I loved doing the we will rock you tour was 
so much fun being able to swing that. And also Alter Boys was very fun. Play that kind of like comedy and slapstick kind of humor. That was a great experience. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And I want to talk yeah. about For the Record a bit because I, when I was doing the research, actually when I first saw you on Zoe, I did a little research back then. So I, as you know, I tried to get you on the show for a while here. And um, yeah. I saw that you had actually worked already back in the day with Michael. And I thought, well, that's kind of exciting. Tell me about that company in general because I loved a Brat Pack. I, just, I saw a bunch of clips of it. That was a lot of fun. Talk about working uh, with someone you already knew in Zoe. That's kind of had to be fun as well. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was super, super cool because we were doing a, the Brat Pack together in Los Angeles. But For the Record is an incredible company that I've worked with since 2016. I did Baz Luhrmann with them in Vegas. And they take famous movie directors that we all know and love, such as Baz Luhrmann, Martin Scorsese, John Hughes, Quentin Tarantino, and they take their most famous movies take scenes from the movies that we all know the lines to <laughs> they mash them up and then we sing the soundtracks live from the movies so they're all the top 40 hits that you hear at the credits or that are playing during your favorite scenes but we're singing them live to make it a musical so all of their shows are just i'm obsessed with them i'm a fan <laughs> and i was even more <laughs> fortunate to be in them and be a part of it I always remembered, I'm like, for the record, always cool kids in L.A. And so it was fun for me to finally be a part of that group of uh, performers. And also amazing that I got to work with Michael. Michael and I did, for the record, Brat Pack, which was a tribute to John Hughes. So we did all his movies, which were like The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Sixteen Candles. And I played the jock in the show the Jake Ryan kind of heartthrob character and Michael played the ducky save Ferris kind of character the nerd. So our, so we had a lot of scenes together. We had a couple of songs and we, we had the opportunity to play a lot together and he is just an incredibly talented guy. He is, it's just amazing for him to open his mouth and hear this like soul raspy kind of voice come out. Um, so yeah, it was, it was cool that we both kind of had this parallel career for like the past like, Two and a half years, three years. So it's always nice to work cool. with familiar friends. Yeah. I like that. Well, talk about, I mean, you've had work with some great people, as you've said. What kind of lessons have you learned growing up in theater here like that? Anything that really sticks out to you that really has helped you and grow in your career? Any great advice you've gotten? Yeah. You know, um, obviously this this career is, is extremely hard. <laughs> You have to have thick skin, um, and I found a way to uh, kind of alleviate that pressure of nerves and uncertainty by, um, you know, figuring out where I seek my validation from, you know, always making sure that I'm, you know, checking off boxes, that I'm on time, that I'm prepared, memorized, efficient, disciplined, and, you know, uh, demonstrating technique. And allowing myself to be the only one who validates my work and not allowing the validation to come from other people. Because when you give them that power, then they also have the power to let you down. And, you know, you feel kind of, oh, well, I didn't book this, so, you know, I must, I must not be good. But no, it's not about that. You walk into a room, you do your work, and you check off your boxes. And if you felt like you did good work, then you booked it. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
I so love kind of that. Being, that's such a great attitude. Yeah. 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 So that's all about all comes back to self-love and self-respect. You got to be your biggest, biggest cheerleader and take care of yourself. I like it. No, talk about mm-hmm. that and on how you, how you kind of unwind and relax and kind of how you center yourself. I did read that your family owned a restaurant in Chicago and you like to cook. Talk about that's got to come in handy during the <laughs> pandemic when every restaurant is closed. Talk about that. Did that oh, yes. escape for you? Yes. Yeah. You know, cooking, it's in my, it's in my genes. My, my grandma, when she immigrated here from Mexico, started a restaurant in Chicago. It's been there since the 70s. So it's in me. And it's, it's good, man. It's, it's therapeutic. It's another outlet for me to express my creativity. You know, when I'm not, I don't have the opportunity to be on a stage or I don't have the opportunity to rehearse or audition, but I still have an opportunity to create. And I think it's important for us as artists to constantly create in any kind of medium, whether it's painting or, I don't know, planting or culinary art, something, you know, but it's important to keep our cooking that is, awesome. is definitely an, out, an outlet in that aspect. What is your best dish that you create, you think? Oh, <laughs> I, got, I got a list of them. I would probably say... I make a good pollo con sofrito, which is like a Puerto Rican dish. It's uh, it's like a, a stew, chicken stew, and you let it marinate and cook all day with all these spices, potatoes, chicken, just served over white rice. Oh, my gosh. I'm starting to drool right now just talking about it. <laughs> that sounds delicious. And when you get to go back to Mama's, what is something you always have to have her cook for you? She She always makes – it's puerco con verde. And it's pork and green sauce, and it, she does it right. She cooks it every time I go home for my birthday or for Christmas. She starts making it at 7.30 a.m., and it cooks all day. She makes her own tomatillo sauce, and uh, it's just swirling in a whole bunch of goodness. <laughs> oh, go Mama Ortiz. I like that. Very yeah. cool. Talk about your love of sailing. Are you still able to get and do that? Is that still center you? Do you get to get out there much? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've I've been trying to, you know, quarantine and keep it safe distance. I think it's important to go to those places where they're your safe place, especially in these crazy times and really know yourself and be like, okay, I need a moment and time to take care of myself. And so while I haven't been able to, you know, go out on boats, which I love, but um, even if it's something smaller, Similar, like going to the beach or going to the lake with a friend, feed ducks, but some creating that element of escape and serenity to kind of recenter yourself is vital, I feel like, in these times. I hear you, buddy. I am not a, a home person by any means. I'm just, I just don't like sitting around at home. I'm not good at sitting around. So I'm an hour right. from Lake Erie, and I go up there at least probably once a week just to walk in the sand and look at the water and do yeah. what we can with just to kind of keep ourselves sane. So I hear you on that, brother. Yeah. Very, very yeah. simple. I like that. <laughs> I, well, let's jump back into the career, but I want to get into Zoe because this has got to be a big deal. I mean, talk, talk about the difference of going from stage to television. Is it a big transition? Is it something you're enjoying? Uh, I imagine because stage is so real, you're there, you're present throughout the whole thing, and movies and television mm-hmm. is take two, take 12, right? Talk about the transition right. from stage to TV. Do you like it, and how's the experience been so far? Right. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, it it is a different element and medium that I'm it's it's I'm not used to and still figuring out. I, you know, I moved to LA last year, so I, I'm so fortunate that it, you know I had this opportunity to work on something this big so soon. But yeah, it was it was an amazing learning experience, and it, it was an adjustment for me because I'm so used to the theater world where we have two week rehearsal process at at the least, you know. And right, we come in, right. we learn all the music, and we we run it, and then a music director checks us, and they're like, "Nope, this is wrong. This is wrong. Let's refix this." Or you work scenes with and make different choices with actors, and there wasn't a lot of that. <laughs> you know, it's more <laughs> about like. <laughs> So I was coming in like, oh, okay, I got this. And then it's so it's very fast paced and very quick because there's so many different elements that are happening and agendas. And it's, it's, it's a beast. It is a giant machine with a lot of people behind it. It was cool adjusting, you know, kind of picking up my speed and learning like the pace that they work at is, is brilliant. I love that. Well, talk about yeah. the arc a bit. A lot of times on television, People are hired uh, just for like one or two episodes, then all of a sudden you get this chemistry and explodes. Did you know this arc is going to take you to the rest of the season? Or talk about how your character developed. Was it already kind of thought out? Right. So initially, my character was, I think, I think I was hired initially for three episodes, possibly four. And then I ended up staying till the season finale, which was great. So I knew that once I was on set, my character kind of shifted from initially what was presented to me, which I'm grateful for. And it was exciting because, you know, I feel like TV focuses a lot on the writing and the writing is certainly changing and fresh and new. And the writers are there working with you, trying new things with you on the spot. And yeah, I love that aspect of Zoe's that everyone was so involved and it was cool that they were like, yeah, let's try this. Let's do this. What if we do this? You know what I mean? It was yes. And so that was an awesome. Right. Nice. I love that. Well, are you able to, I mean, we, we know you got renewed for season two. Are you able to kind of sneak that? Do you have plans for season two? Are we allowed to say that? It's, um, it's up in the air. We don't, we don't know if Eddie's gonna, Eddie and Mo are gonna hang out. We'll, we'll see what happens. It's, it's, okay. I'm gonna leave it a little right. suspenseful. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, talk about yeah. this phenomenal cast. Just going into a cast like this had to be pretty amazing. I mean, I'm gay as hell, but if I got to work with Lauren Graham like Michael did, I would be fanboying out every day. Talk about this cast today. I, I know, I know. I mean, yes, I think the first day I was on set, I I got in my trailer and we were shooting on location and I they came to get me when the PSMs came to get me and oh your car's outside, okay, hopped in the car and I'm sitting right next to Lauren Graham and I was like <laughs> a little no because it was like. 6 a.m. in the morning, and I was, you know, chugging my coffee and not in the real world yet. And then I'm like, oh, here she is. And she goes, hi, I'm Lauren. What's your name? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is the level where we're at. <laughs> um, but ev- but everyone was just so professional and very fortunate to, in the same way when I joined West Side Story and I had a, a bunch of theater greats to look up to, uh, to kind of follow their example, I, I had the same with Zoe's you know Skylar was amazing to work with and so was Michael Michael had been there for a second and Alex Newell was incredible to work with like these are all TV veterans you know what I mean like sure they've been doing this for years so I was 
very grateful to have their example. I bet. No, it's it's, it's a phenomenal cast. And I don't think you really had any scene crossover with Peter, did you? Because I think he was, he was dead by the time you were at the funeral. Um, talk about right. uh, anyone that you really fanboy out of when you got to go there or for anyone you got to work with, I mean? You know, I, I honestly was really excited to work with Alex. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't seen his, I've been seeing his work for a while, and he just did Once on this Island. And um, when I was in Mama Mia on Broadway, he was in, always in the New York. Uh, theater scene and we always used to after the show in Mamma Mia we always used to go to live karaoke Broadway karaoke at Queen of the Night and I would go and see him sing and just screlt his face off with a bunch of other Broadway stars and I'm like who is this entity who is this this magical being that that just has these effortless effortless notes and so it was really special to be doing a little cha-cha with him, you know? And he's a great energy, great talent. So that was a great well, you guys great opportunity chemistry, and moment. I bet. Your chemistry is amazing together. I mean, it's just such a – it's such fun. I mean, Alex's character, Mo, brings such levity to the show as it, as it is, kind of the, the center mm-hmm. of the, the funny there. You kind of brought out the deepness of it. And when she got to do her heart songs for you, it really mm-hmm. kind of took a turn in – in Alex's character, I think. So I think you've really helped develop that character together. So it's great. You guys have such a great working relationship. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I love that uh, my character was able to show the grounded, more realistic, vulnerable side of Mo, of Alex. Right. Because up until then, it was more of, he was, you know, funny, catty, but now we see this full-rounded human. (laughs) Exactly. No, well said. Very, very mm. cool. One of the things, I mean, we were talking off air, uh, myself and Zoe, that one of the cool things, actors in general, your entertainment community has come so well together with streaming and everything and really kind of letting people into their uh, lives. I'm really excited. I found out yesterday, and I don't know if, if you got to talk to Alex, if you guys even talked, but he's going to be doing a new mm. murder mystery they have now streaming. And Andrew Barnett right, and Dear Evan Hansen is doing a uh, murder mystery as well. <laughs> How cool is that sound? I just think it's brilliant, and I am just like, my hat off to you, like, actors. Like, look at us, you know, even in this crazy situation, we're still creating and coming up with brand new mediums to convey our art and entertain people. I think it's genius. <laughs> I'm excited well, exactly. to see it. I've, I've said it on air a couple times. The thing that I like about the streaming is it brings such, and I hate the, the word is so overused, but it brings this authenticity to everybody. Yes. I mean, we've talked a dozen times. <clears throat> seeing Patti Lapone, I just want to go play pinball with her in her basement now. I don't care about how good a singer she is. Right? <laughs> it's just it's kind of fun to see the behind the scenes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, I mean, like, that's, that's our job as actors is to be relatable, to allow our audience to be like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I do that, or I'm like that, or that reminds me of this, you know, that's who we are, you know, we are like everyone, and so I think it's such a fun, fun new thing that's happening exactly. with the Zoom and the murder mystery and all that. <laughs> all right, well, we have well, Zoe, my intern, uh, in 
the studio with us, and she has a couple questions. Zoe, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go I'm actually it. curious uh, about what the importance of representation is for you as a minority. Do you often feel represented on screen or on stage? Mm, um, yeah, I wear my Puerto Rican Mexican heritage proudly on my sleeve and I love portraying my people on stage and telling stories of our Hispanic culture and I think it's so important because I can't tell you how many times you know in West Side Story or non-racial shows where race is not a factor in the plot to represent the Hispanic culture and times where I've been collecting money for Broadway Cares Like Reedy and times where I've had Hispanic people come up to me and tell me I am so happy to see an Ortiz up there I am so happy to see a Latino in that mix of everyone and to see that you're representing our people, it, it makes you proud to represent Mexican and Puerto Rican culture and the arts. What kind of dream roles do you have? What, what would you really, is there anything in the Latinx community you'd like to portray and just in general acting in general, any dream roles for you? Oh, I want to um, create my dream role. <laughs> I, want oh, to create, um, I want to create something that is, Similar to my story, you know, being a Latino gay man and, you know, and tell that story, the struggles of, you know, how it is hard to come out being Latino because our culture is very religiously heavily influenced. And, you know, I feel like let's let's create new stories because that's what we are. We're storytellers. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You write the script. We'll have lyric crews do the choreography for it. Done. And dance it and be amazing. I like it. Done. Let's do very, it. Very, very cool. <laughs> um, okay. And talk about, let's go ahead and talk about your coming out journey. But we didn't do it earlier. When did you first come out to yourself? And when did you kind of first find your LGBTQ tribe? Was that the theater community? Or talk about that a second. Coming out. Well, it was a difficult time for me. I, I grew up in a very religious environment in my home and in my community. I was involved heavily in the church and I, I led worship. I, I took apologetics classes, which is the study of defending your love. And I loved it. I, I was grateful for it because it instilled a lot of good habits and morals that I still carry with today. But um, when I did make the beautiful decision of coming out and being truthful and honest with myself, I did receive a lot of negative feedback and hurtful things, mm. which was difficult. But, you know, in hindsight, I realized that that was just where those people were, you know, and I've learned to move past and forgive, you know, because if you don't, then that unforgiveness just only eats away at you right and it has it's it's been a difficult journey but honestly it's been the most beautiful full circle moment when i have reconciled with those people close to me and my family and friends who have hurt me and i hear their stories of how them coming to terms with the things they've said in a, abusive words has changed them as a person because now in hindsight, I've had a family member who said, I regret the way I treated you. And now I can't take it back, but I can move forward and be progressive. And now she mentors LGBT youth in the Christian church whose family rejects them or don't invite them to Christmas dinner or don't invite them. And now they're invited to our house. <laughs> so oh, I that's think amazing. that is the most impactful, beautiful way to apologize is acknowledging it, accepting it, and then showing a way of how I'm going to continue to fix it in other people's lives. That's so well said. I love that you said that. And I mean, it mm -hmm. sounds like you are so fully comfortable in incorporating 
your Latinx, your LGBTQ into your acting. When your your first major role on television is an LGBT role, did representatives or your representation have any trouble with it at all, or do they know this is who I am? Were you able to kind of keep that first and foremost for you? That is an interesting thing because this was the first opportunity for me to really be like, okay, this is going to define how I'm portrayed and how everyone perceives me. You know what I mean? So um, it was kind of one of those moments, but ultimately I am such an advocate and I want to represent my LGBT community proudly. I've seen people in the industry. I've even dated other actors who weren't out of the closet and who weren't out publicly, Mm -hmm. who play more straight masculine roles. And it works for some people and more power, but I, I couldn't not be honest with who I was or, you know what I mean? I feel like it's so right. important, especially since it's, it's hard. It's not easy. It's a difficult, it's, it's, it is getting easier as we are becoming more progressive in 2020. Right. And I think it is becoming easier because it is becoming more comfortable and honest and it's not a shock value that, oh, he's gay. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> So, all right. Okay. So, so when you're considering your acting, there's LGBTQ roles, there's Latin X roles. Is there? Do you find kind of a push or pull from one being more difficult, stereotypical, in the than the other? Maybe to try to break through. Um, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love breaking stereotypes of, you know, what what a gay man is on TV and what a let Latin X is on TV because we have been accustomed to being like the gay guy and the gay guy acts like this, or, Oh, that's the Latin and the Latin acts like this. You know what I mean? But I am in real life, both of those things. And I don't act like that. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's important to bring my um, reality and who I am as a person into these characters to show yeah, there are different kinds of gay men. There are gay men who play soccer. There are gay men who don't like to cook. There are gay men who don't like fashion, you know, or who are promiscuous. Or same with Latin roles. You know, there are Latinos who aren't drug dealers and who aren't all these, you know, stereotypes. So bringing my authentic self into those roles, I feel like I I want to slowly, you know, wean people off of these ideas of what these categories are <laughs> if that makes exactly. sense exactly no it does and, and it circles back to like you said you're there to prove to make yourself happy right and so you're choosing things that's mm-hmm. going to make you feel good at the end of the day and i think that's important to uh to to make that distinction and when you're changing your roles because like you said we know as part of lgbt i know as part of lgbt you know as part of lgbt and latinx that can do any role we could do anything it's just we need to kind of it's the other's perception it's not ours right it's nothing right. we just got to do the best right. we can do right yeah exactly. yeah exactly i love it all right well we're getting <laughs> ready to start wrapping it up here uh patrick okay talk about um is there anything i missed that you kind of wanted to go over anything projects coming that's not on my radar yet that you're kind of hoping once we get out of this COVID quarantine that you're looking forward to anything that we don't know about you can sneak us in on um well I mean I'm 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 waiting for everything to open up like everyone else's um uh you can always check out all my projects um that I'm currently working on or 
upcoming projects on my Instagram. I'll always post and keep everyone updated where you can check me out, hear me sing, watch me dance, do a little thing. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Well, do that. Give everyone where they can find you on social media. Give your handle on that. And definitely, if you're not binging on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, jump on it. Start with the wedding scene if you have to, because that's where our, our buddy Patrick's on. But the entire season is amazing. <laughs> where can they find you on social media? Yeah, you can check out my Instagram at patrick.m.ortiz. Very, very good. All right, well, stand the line for me, Patrick. We're going to play out to a little bit of song here. When we come back, uh, we'll have another okay. exciting guest. We're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. Patrick, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Scott. It was lovely.
righty, guys. We are back. That was another Z Machine song, his latest Honeydew. Great interview about that a couple of weeks ago on a Music Monday. Guys, I hope you enjoyed our show today. I was very excited. This is one of my favorite. Whenever I get to talk about Broadway and food, you know I'm in my happy place. So thanks so much to the Showboy Bakery Boys, Jared and Steven, for sharing their amazing business with us. And then, of course, Patrick Ortiz, if you've not watched Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and you are a Broadway or musical fan, you need to catch up. It's on uh, Amazon, or it's on Hulu right now, and I believe NBC On Demand, you can watch it. And it's some great stuff. And a big shout-out to David Reddish, who started us off today with his Entertainment Minute for a Tuesday Um If you're not following him on Queerty and on the social media, you definitely need to. He has the inside scoop on all things LGBTQ LGBTQ entertainment and otherwise. So great show tonight. Thanks, everybody. We will be back tomorrow and all week long at 6 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock or 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern time here on Blog Talk Radio. On tomorrow's show, we have... Our boys from Nashville, J&J Buzz, Josh and Jeff, will do their Wednesday Pop Culture Minute with us. And then I'm excited to bring good friend of the show, Jason Stewart, back on, actor and comedian extraordinaire. He is bringing his buddy, Mitch Hara, on. They are in a new series called Smothered. So we're going to talk to them tomorrow. And then for the second hour, We're going to have our buddy Joey Amata call in. Joey is a PR guy, actually, but he also does a lot of different side business. He's done a fantastic gay travel business, and he has a new venture wealth business for the LGBTQ community that he's going to talk about with us tomorrow night. So I'm excited to bring him on. So great show tomorrow. Please follow us on all the social media. On Instagram and Twitter, you can follow me at at left of straight, always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F. STR in the number eight. It's Left of Straight Show on Facebook and Scott Fullerton, my personal profile on Facebook. And you can always follow Han and all the other interns on Left of Straight Radio. That's at Left of Straight Radio on Twitter and Instagram and Left of Straight Radio Facebook page. We appreciate all you listening. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to give our a five-star rating if you listen to an episode so we'll get found in the search engines faster. And we appreciate everything you do. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.